Hey guys, Mariah here. This is a bonus episode we're excited to introduce to you all. We were recently interviewed by Nick and Aaron of Concussion Talk Podcast and wanted to share this episode with you. If you like what you hear and want to hear more from them, check them out on a podcast platform near you. They've got a ton of great resources and interviews and plenty to listen to. Check it out. Welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast. I'm Nick Mercer and my co-host is... Aaron Guilfoyle. Aaron, really can't wave because you got to see me. So, Hi, audio. everyone. This Hi, is Aaron. Hi, that's Aaron. Aaron, we book off now on Aaron with an I because I will introduce now my my guests, which are making a headway podcast, uh, Mariah Morgan and Aaron, Aaron Martin. Aaron with a, with a Y. Martin. Yes. And actually, actually, I will ask you first so they're going to make sure that I get to pull up my... My page now, your page, with, with uh, you can talk about you both introduce yourselves and talk about your your brain traits. But I want to start with Aaron because Aaron has the uh, I want to make sure spontaneous paramesenthalic spontaneous paramesencephalic or subarachnoid hemorrhage. So, so Aaron, I will let you pronounce that correctly and. And Aaron and Mariah talking about your rangers and and actually I guess you can lump that into why you started why you thought a podcast was the best video to get the board out about your rangers and thanks for having us Nick we're so excited yeah, thank, thank you, you so much you know, thank I you. feel like Mariah is a veteran having been on one other podcast but this is my first one <laughs> besides my own so <laughs> thank you for joy- letting us come on. Um, so yeah, I had a perimesencephalic subarachnoid hemorrhage, um, which I had never heard that term um, until I had one. So um, long story short, I was working out um, doing kickboxing, and it was right at the Are beginning of. Was I good? No, right. not really. <laughs> I definitely felt like I was good. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm superstar fighter. And then they'd try to spar, and I'd be like, wait, is it? punch, punch, cross, jab, what, huh? (laughs) But it's fun to do. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, it was right at the beginning of pandemic. So everything had been shut down. We were at home. It was May, 2020. Um, So I was like punching the air in my living room. So I wasn't even like doing a good fight. (laughs) I didn't even, I can't say like, you should see what the other guy looks like. (laughs) There was no other guy. (laughs) But uh, mid jab, I just got this like, horrible head pain um like the worst headache you've ever had and people ask me all the time they're like oh well I've had a headache and it was really bad and I'm like no no like you know something's really really wrong um and it was just it just shot up the back of my neck into um like the lower right hand side of my brain so it was a really acute pain very acute yep okay Um, just came out of nowhere. And I initially thought that I needed to have a drink of water because it was like pounding in my head. And I'm like, maybe I'm just super dry. Um, So I tried to do that and just started like vomiting everywhere. It was um, projectile vomiting is another big um, symptom. So if you ever have the headache and the vomiting, you know that something's wrong and get yourself to a hospital. Um, my husband fortunately was home, so he was able to call 911. And at that point, like I was just like crumbled on the floor. And, um, I remember the EMTs picking me up, getting me to the hospital and they diagnosed it pretty quickly. Um, 
I went to a community hospital, which wasn't equipped to deal with a brain bleed. Um, and I remember the doctor coming in and he told me, he's like, you have a brain bleed, which I'm like, no, he's like, you have a subarachnoid hemorrhage. And I'm like, no, no, I don't <laughs> like my neck hurts. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, they got me to Massachusetts general hospital, which is in Boston, um, by ambulance. The weather was too bad to do helicopter. Is that, is that a long, is that a long drive? Uh, about an hour. Oh, it wasn't yeah. bad. Wasn't I don't good. remember a lot of it. I was really drugged up, <laughs> which yeah, thank yeah. God, because <laughs> yeah. it hurt so bad. Um, but a big part of my story, the part that still gets me and um, my husband cringes every time I say it because it hurts, but he was allowed to come into the emergency department. And at that point in time, they weren't allowing any visitors unless they thought you weren't going to make it. Yeah. Um, which in hindsight, every time yeah. you talk about it. Yeah. And it, and I, I struggled to even bring it up, but it was such like a, um, like a moment, like a changing way for me to think of the world that I feel like I have to like give some credence to it. But just knowing that I was like that close, um, really got me and seeing yeah. Troy actually like looking up at him and seeing his face, I realized that I couldn't give up. Cause I was presented with a choice at that time is how I feel. Who knows if I really was, I don't even know if I was really dying, but that's what it felt like was that I was presented with a choice of either you're going to fight or you can just let go. And either was fine. I was totally at peace, but seeing his face, I was just like, I can't, I can't leave him. Um, and I can't leave my dog was my other thought. And then my family, like I just can't. So I got down to mass general. Um, they did, um, I didn't need surgery. They had told me I may, they're like, you, you know, if at some point we see something change, we're going to have to shave your head and do surgery. But, um, they didn't, I just had angiograms where they, um, go in through either your groin or your wrist up an artery. And they look at your brain and all the vasculature that's in there to see what caused the bleed. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's where I get my big name of what the bleed uh, is. Yes. So basically, um, there's different things that could cause it. You could have an aneurysm, which is an artery that explodes in your brain. And those are um, pretty severe because arteries have a lot of pressure, a lot of blood pumping through. So there's a lot more blood and can have a lot more damage. Um, I could have had a malformation in how my vasculature was made in my brain, which fortunately I didn't. That's called an AVM, arterial venous malformation. I could have had a tumor, which I didn't. That's another thing that can cause a bleed. Um, so basically a perimesencephalic is, they don't know, but they assume it was a vein that just popped. Um, so wow. they're thinking that's what it was. Wow. So the lesser of all the types I could have had. So I'm very fortunate. That's mm. well. Yeah. Yeah, that's well. I wonder how to turn Maria now, because Maria. We've talked Mariah. before. It's Mariah. <laughs> she said the name before us and asked her how you pronounce it. If it's Maria or Mariah. But she said Mariah. And I said Maria just then. So that was going to be. Oopsie. I answered to both at this but, point. Um, because, you nah, know. but your name is Mariah. So let's play that. So yeah. you, and you had a, you had a subdural, a subdural hematoma. It's kind of touching yeah. on what, what, what Aaron was, Aaron with the Y was talking about. And, uh, yeah, Aaron and I have very different, um, brain injuries. Mine was an acute subdural hematoma. I was, um, 
walking to work one morning and uh, was hit by a an SUV in a pedestrian crosswalk. People always ask, well, were you in a crosswalk? I was in a crosswalk. I looked both ways. I was not looking at my phone. I was doing what I was supposed to do. And, and She's a rule follower. <laughs> uh, what, uh, was this in, I was just, Aaron, Aaron with an I, Aaron Gilbo and I just found out you're from San Francisco and you moved there. So was this, Carson in San Francisco, San Francisco or in, no. or in Portsmouth? <laughs> no, I lived in San Francisco for many years and never got hit by a car. And then I moved to a tiny town in New Hampshire and got uh, hit by a car. Uh, <laughs> so, go yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, you know, a pretty quick incident in terms of like the amount of time it took. <laughs> um, I was rushed to the hospital, put into a medically induced coma. Um, I had a skull fracture and they watched the bleed really carefully. And if it had gotten, like they showed me on the scan, if it had gone literally a hair further, they would have had to open up my skull, but I was fortunate that it did not. So they just kind of waited for me to come out of the coma and to see what had happened. Um, and I've been fairly fortunate in my recovery that it's been, um, I wouldn't call it an easy road. It was two years ago that my accident happened. And I think, you know, a year after was about when I started to feel like myself, truly myself again, but a lot had to happen in between. And for me, the physical effects were um, less uh, severe, but it was the mental health side of things that was the toughest for me. And I didn't connect the dots until I randomly saw on social media um, a post about the number of traumatic brain injury survivors who also deal with depression. And at the time, I didn't know what I was dealing with, but I knew I wasn't myself. And I was like, oh, it's depression. Yeah. So, um, so that was really the hardest thing for me. But therapy works wonders. And, um, you know, two years later, it's it's been a, a strange journey. But, you know, I feel like I'm a better person for it. So. Grab thoughts. That's a positive note. And I guess, uh, Aaron, because I was going to kind of love my question there, but I think my question but the podcast fits better with your question, Aaron. Aaron with an I. Aaron Gilbo. <laughs> um, so you can go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of wanted to ask you guys generally about your friendship um, together because you guys have that special connection in a way of both being brain injury survivors. And I was wondering, um, going through that trauma, and like, did you find that your relationships with other people who hadn't experienced a brain injury changed in some ways or that they didn't understand and kind of how you guys work together and knowing that invisible illness part of it? Very good question. That is a really good question. It definitely strengthened our friendship, I feel, um, because, you know, someone that totally gets it is right there with you. As far as it changing my other relationships, I would... I don't think so. Um, I think I know where I can go for brain injury support and where I can go for just general life and everything else. Um, so yeah, it strengthened us, but I don't think it weakened my other friendships and I don't, I don't expect anyone to understand what I'm going through. I don't expect other people to think I understand exactly what they're going through. We all have our own journey. I think for me, I mean, Post brain injury, I have been able to let go of some friendships that, I, and I think that's just a 
a direct effect of reprioritizing things in your life post brain injury and remembering what the most important things are. Cause when you wake up in a hospital, your, you know, your immediate thoughts are not like, gosh, I wish I'd hung out with this person who's not very nice to me or gosh, I wish I'd spent more time working. It's, you know, like the people who you love the most and the people who love you the most and the things that are most rewarding for you. So I've been able to sort of let go of some, but I've also, I think, held on to some friendships even stronger as a result. And my brain injury happened a little more than a year before Aaron's. So I had a long time where I did not know a single person with a brain injury. I mean, I'm sure I actually did, but wasn't aware because of the whole invisible injury thing. But um, not that Aaron signed up for a brain injury to help me in my journey, (laughs) but it was just such a relief to have her to talk to about it. I mean, we already were really good friends, but um, it's such a special thing to have somebody who actually understands a brain injury, even though ours are incredibly different. So I would say um, it definitely strengthened our friendship and um, it's something that's hard to replace, honestly. Yeah. And a lot of the struggles have commonalities, no matter what you're going through. Was there like any um, most helpful or inspirational things that you found throughout your recoveries? Oh, good question. Yeah, I think um, having a friend that was going through the mental health piece of it um, really helped me. Um, And there's a lot of different directions I could take this question, but just to keep it focused on our friendship and our podcast... Um, I think I, you know, I, I, all my effects were cognitive, all my effects were mental health and how I think and how I pay attention. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. I was going to ask you, I don't know if you're wearing glasses and I was wondering if those were prior or since your brain or there's just always been there. That's since, um, they're just blue light filter glasses because okay. I, I struggle too. with screens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My eyes are, um, were definitely affected. It was harder to read. It's harder to look at screens. Um, but my vision's fine. Yeah. But having a friend that was able to kind of let me know, like cue me in on the fact that things could go dark <laughs> and it really helped me because it did go dark. And I think I would have been left feeling like I'm just this you know, messed up person now and that there's no hope and no um, light at the end of the tunnel. And Mariah was really able to help through that. Yeah. And I think sort of piggybacking on that for me, it was having somebody that you can be totally vulnerable with. I mean, I'm married. My husband is wonderful. He's really a fantastic caregiver. I hope I don't ever have to do that to him again, but no matter what the person unless they've had a brain injury, your caregiver can't understand 100%. Um, But being able to have a close friend who you can share everything with, um, even the ugly stuff, you know, the fact that like you're having dark thoughts, the fact that, you know, things aren't pretty in your life, that for me has been the most beneficial and also helped me to be more vulnerable with other people in my life, which I think, you know, I think vulnerability is a buzzword right now in culture in general. but I, I hope it kind of stays that way because I think it's an important thing, especially in the brain injury community. The more stories like this that get out there, the less people feel alone, the better it is for all of us. So, which is really how... Go ahead. You're in a session. I'm going to you. We're talking to you, so you talk. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, um, that's really how the podcast came to be. Making Headway was birthed out of a conversation that Aaron and I had about, you know, like, if we're going through this, if we've felt alone and we actually have each other, but we still have, you know, our, our struggles, there must be so many other people out there who feel the same way and don't have a good friend who's had a brain injury that they can talk to. So yeah. what, how do we help other people out and get more of these stories out in the open so that the person who feels truly isolated and alone in their recovery journey realizes that they're not and that there is a community out there and that we are sort of here to help even though we might be far away from one another. So. Oh, yeah, because I was going to ask you about your podcast and what I did, did I guess, but just with more technical things. But uh, on, on, we did a podcast about Aaron, Aaron Gilfoy and I. Aaron Gilfoy and I do a podcast with McGill in Christian Group. Mm-hmm. But uh, Aaron Gilfoy, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron with an I, was not there on Friday. And we talked about uh, the, what the, that, that podcast was about tomorrow, which is yesterday. Confusing. Be on Monday. Be on Monday. <laughs> and uh, so you may have already heard it. But um, it's, uh, we talked about how your perspective changes afterwards. She was talking about this individual, individual was talking about a concussion. But uh, it's obviously the same thing with as I felt with uh, from my injury. But uh, that it's obvious your perspective changes. And that however long that takes, doesn't, doesn't, some people takes like, Two seconds it'll look there, okay, my perspective has changed, but for me it's was developing is a is developing developing perspective change was like eventual evolutionary kind of change. But um yeah, so how has that impacted your the way you kind of uh, conduct your podcast and what kind of guests you look to talk, talk to? You know, I we've been really looking for people, you know, a lot of the people we have on are sharing stories or we have practitioners that come on. Um, the stories, uh, we're always looking for the bright spot. Um, so not that we're trying to force people outside of their darkness, but we're always looking for what um, you can do now that you've had experienced this trauma. How can you um, build or what can you do to be better? Um, the practitioners I think are super interesting because I know for me having trouble being able to read after my brain injury and focus on a screen, I didn't know where to turn. I knew things weren't right, but I didn't know what to do about it. And having a platform that I could hear, you know, different perspectives and different things to think on would have been really helpful for me. So we kind of have looked for different people that have different perspectives that might hit on something that you were wondering about or thinking about. Um, yeah, especially, especially important because we've heard from survivors time and time again that they've, you know, had a decent medical team, but then they felt like they were on their own at a certain point and are trying to piece together, you know, solutions to challenges that they're encountering. Um, once they're past the immediate recovery, you know, challenges. So I think we're all looking for individual solutions. So our our take has been in terms of practitioner interviews, let's get as much information out there as we can. We're not necessarily pointing to one or the other and saying, this is what you should do. We're just trying to get resources out there available to people so that they can make decisions for themselves. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, Aaron, Aaron, did you have a, you have a question? 
Yeah, I was just going to say, what kind of advice would you want to give people helping them understand the invisible nature as well? And maybe like what kind of advice have other uh, guests you've had before given that really stuck with you? I have been really struck with this quote, and I feel like I've said it in a lot of different platforms now. But um, we had um, a guest, Vanessa Woodburn, on who brought up a quote from, I think his name's Nick Quick. I'm losing, my brain's getting a little tired. Um, but he talked about if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. So, like for me, that just so hit me because it's so easy to get stuck in the I can'ts or to get stuck in this is how it is now, like I'm, I'm, I'm here and that's it. Um, so if you're always fighting for what you can't do, you're never really open for what you could do or how you could shape it to be different or make something else out of it. Like, yeah, maybe you lost function in a limb or maybe you lost, um, your speech, but what does that then do? Does it make it so you're able to better listen? Does it make it so that you're able to compensate in another way or help someone else with their journey, um, you know, there, there's always a way out of our limitations if we're willing to be creative and looking for it. Yeah, that's a good one. I think for me, um, we've talked a lot about the new normal. And if you are a brain injury survivor, you've heard that probably more than you ever wanted to. And it's something I struggle with the term the new normal so much because I feel like it's just an acceptance of something and you don't necessarily have to accept everything. So we had an interview with a survivor who called it um, a period of self-grace. And I, I just have loved that one because I think it's really important. It's just being kind to yourself, um, not knowing how long you know that period will be. It could be forever, it could be years, it could just be months. But I think that that take on recovery is a really positive, lovely one because um, you do have to be kind to yourself and forgiving of yourself. And um, I would say, that that's important for anybody who's not a brain injury survivor to understand about their friend who's a brain injury survivor is please give us grace as well. You know, we're trying really hard. Um, so I think that the period of self grace is a, is a wonderful term to replace the new normal. I love that. that. I wrote that think... down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the self grace kind of goes right along with that um, feeling of having to be perfect um, my brain injuries definitely taught me that perfection, first of all, doesn't exist. Anybody that's acting perfect, that's all it is. It's an act. Like yeah. there's stuff that's wrong there too. And being okay with like people seeing my imperfections, like a brain injury forces you into that. But I think it's a big life lesson anyway. Like why should we try to live yeah. like where these, you know, and we're in glass houses really. Like we just, you shouldn't live that way. And is your mic off? You wanted to say anything, but no. I was going to say, okay. <laughs> my cat's just being kind of crazy. Oh. So I've been, whenever he's like doing something weird. Um, but Thumbs no, up. those were all my questions. That's great. Did you have any others, Nick? Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about your, you guys were just talking about your, uh, you did not believe you weren't going to ask about your experiences personally, but the thing about perfections and, and uh, that quote you gave about, about the, the limitations and also acceptance those are the kind of got me thinking about how like just they're not just the acceptance is 
the tricky one because there's other acceptance in accepting defeat, but there's also acceptance in accepting where you are and and the, the limitations are not where you maybe you're limited as you can't get getting or getting back getting the idea of getting back to where I was before. But that's where I was thinking when I was injured. I was thinking that I gotta get back to swimming and doing you know, triathlon, playing water polo, but I can't get I'm not gonna get back there. But there's new. I was kind of inadvertently accepting my limitations by saying I want to get back there and not limiting myself to where I could go, what I could do when I knew after realizing that my new my situation was different. So, um, yeah, Aaron so, and I were just talking about that actually. This sort of way that brain injury survivors measure themselves from pre-brain injury to post-brain injury, yeah, yeah. and sometimes we use the pre-brain injury. Uh, version of ourselves as the standard that we're trying yeah, to meet. But exactly. the sooner we say, okay, pre-brain injury, post-brain injury, both me, you know, um, yeah. either way, it's a version of me and maybe they're not quite the same, but that's fine. It's me. Um, you know, the, the exactly. better it is because I think, you know, it's important to remember you set the standard for yourself. It's very exactly. rare that someone else is going to tell you, I'm sorry, brain injury survivor. I need you to be perfect. It's and you're trying to if you try to meet try to meet an external standard, that's a daunting, dangerous task. Too. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, it goes back to that sort of like self grace thing. Is it important to you know redefine? Yes. Is it important to move forward? Yes. But you also need to be mindful of just where you are. And um, my biggest struggle, honestly, mental health wise, was being okay with not being okay. And, you know, like mm -hmm. who I am today is a lot better for it. I would say, yeah. um, because I, I am a lot more open about, you know, like if someone's like, how are you doing today? I'm like, not good. <laughs> I'll say it, <laughs> you know? Um, and some people are uncomfortable with hearing that you're not okay. But I think the more we talk about that stuff, whether you have a brain injury or not, the better it is better to be real with each other yeah exactly no i think I that's agree. those are strong points so Aaron, it's kind you, of Aaron, the why? yeah it's like accepting that um you only have like you you're never going to be that past person you're also never going to be a future person because you're only ever in the present so yeah. you can have your goals but to be continually striving to be something you once were like we're meant to grow why why would you yeah. want to go back um i know that's a hard that can be a they, hard that, that to took swallow. me a while though took me a while to realize that myself <laughs> yeah then i did it was just so it's just happier just better out myself and i think i really think that's where i grew me too as a person so. and the growing's always where the pain is like so if you're in a period of a lot of pain and self-struggle or not, maybe not even self-struggle, just struggle in life. Like that's probably where you're growing. Those are your that's, growing. Yeah, that's like the prelude to the to growing. I think. Yeah, yeah. Know, it's never, I it's felt, never what you want to hear in the moment, but no, no the truth. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. It doesn't this, help it this, feel better. This sucks, but eventually it'll suck a bit less. Then it'll be you don't feel good. And, and how long will that take you? Like I don't know. I have no idea how long it would take. Yeah. But that's yeah. the other thing. And we've talked a lot about, you know, like, I feel like every day in the recovery journey brings different lessons. So like, you know, I'm two and a half years out now. What's 10 years going to look like? What's, you know, what's it going to look like when God willing, I'm 80? I, I'm sure that the lessons I would 
give you from my brain injury will be different then. So I think it's important to sort of evolve with it and yeah. put all those lessons in your bag and pack them with you. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Aaron, did you, Aaron with an I, did you have any more, <laughs> did, you have, did you have any more questions? No, and, uh, I'm good. Just uh, where to find you guys. And if anyone was looking for some resources within your area, feel free to shout them out. Sure. So, and uh, sorry, website... before we start that, just anything you guys want to add about your podcast or your, or any of what you say about the also anything other thoughts you had that you wanted to spit out, feel free. Sure. Um, and, and so, our. Our website is Making Headway Podcast. We're available on pretty much any platform you listen to podcasts on. We come out with a new episode pretty much every Monday. You can follow us on Instagram at Making Headway Podcast and Facebook at Making Headway Podcast. And Twitter is Making Headway PO because Making Headway Podcast was too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we're just so grateful for the chance to connect with other podcasters, honestly, who have sort of the same philosophy about getting information out there and helping support the community. So thank you. Yeah. And just to tout any resources in our area, um, we're lucky to have a um, brain injury center um, called the Kremple Center that's in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So anyone local to the area should check that out. Um, I think a lot of their stuff is still virtual, but um, definitely an option. And then all the brain injury associations around us locally have virtual support groups. Um, So the Brain Injury Association of Massachusetts has um, a lot of different groups. They have a lot of different times. Um, New Hampshire has, I think, three different ones right now. So um, they also have some options too. And it's just, you know, video chatting, kind of like what we're doing now. And you just get to talk and some of them have presentations. Some of them have like artwork you can do with them. Um, there's a lot of different ways to express yourself, writing workshops, um, and that's all free. So great. Worth checking out. Well, um, Amazing. <laughs> I was saying that also not the, not the, no, downgrade your thing or not downgrade, but they like, this push side you did virtual workers but there, but it's also Miguel Lou did they would have had this is confusing now because I interviewed them on they're on Friday and their podcast will be will be will be out on Monday. And this podcast will be out on Tuesday. So I I talked to them on Friday, two days ago, but it'll be out yesterday for you kind of it's confusing. But <laughs> Point is, it's it's already out now, and uh, they also have a support group that's also opened everyone on Zoom. And uh, yeah, I was gonna just, I mean, yeah. So I mean, so I was trying to think about anything else to add, but I don't. And I hope you guys don't. And uh, and this, if you do, please let me know, and I will definitely include that. And uh, I have no good way to end this, but these podcasts have for saying, you know, goodbye and thank you. But I guess that's. Standard issue. This is what that works. How do you guys? Thank you guys so much. How do you guys end your podcast? I'll let you. I'll let you guys end this one like you would end yours. Okay, we can we can do the making head by sign up. This is is Mariah signing off with my co-host Aaron from the Making Headway podcast. We'll talk to y'all next week. Great, that's perfect. That's way over the line. So thanks. We had to recognize. It took us a while to get there. (laughs) Yeah. We learned we had to have something because it just yeah. kind of dropped off and we were like, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs>